Shalom, and welcome to Viahavta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. If you were asked the question, when will all of your problems, those things that cause you suffering and discomfort and discouragement, when will all of these things come to an end and you will enter into everlasting joy and happiness? The answer is, when God brings his throne from heaven and establishes his kingdom in this world. And those days are approaching. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 97. The book of Psalms and Psalm 97. Now, notice how this psalm begins. It's a rather short one, and it's all about the greatness of God and God doing just what I said, establishing his throne and what will be the outcome of that glorious event. Let's begin. Psalm 97 and verse 1 where it says, the Lord, Malak. Malak is has reigned. What it speaks of is not just God ruling or reigning, but that he has already began and is in his position of authority. It's literally in the past tense which God has completely established his rule over all creation. This is what the psalmist is saying. And what is the outcome of that? Well, the scripture tells us the earth will rejoice. And this is speaking about the world. This term ha'ar, it's when it's in the definite. It is speaking about the entire creation. So God, he is ruling and has ruled, meaning he has established his justice and righteousness throughout his creation. And what is the outcome? Rejoicing move on to the second part god's rule is not going to be limited we see here that the iyim rabim iyim we're speaking about islands and oftentimes this expression for islands means the distant the far away the remote places and so many of these places and the word harbay can mean not just many but but all in the most inclusive manner so all of these faraway places, what are they going to do? Yismechu, which means they're going to be glad. God's absolute rule, let me say it another way, his sovereignty over all of his creation is going to produce gladness and joy. And this is the parallelism that we see in Hebrew poetry. When we look, we have the world, Haaretz, being parallel to Iyim Rabim these many or all of these distant places and then obviously we have the term tagel for will rejoice being parallel with yismehu they will be glad so the scripture is speaking about the outcome that's going to happen to all his creation 
when God has established his throne. Move on to verse 2. We have two words, Anan, which is like a cloud, thinking of that cloud that followed the children of Israel out of Egypt and in that wilderness. And then we have the term Arafel, which in modern Hebrew is a term for fog. So the cloud and fog, what is this referring to? It's referring to the glorious presence of God. Oftentimes, God's presence is seen with his glory. And this glory is seen as a cloud or a fog or a smoke. So this is what it's speaking of. God's glory, which is around him. And what is the the essence of God's glory? We'll just keep reading. It's righteousness and justice. And it's this righteousness and justice, which is the outcome of the foundation of his throne. We have that important word, throne. And then we have a word which means that which has been established, its foundation. So the rule of God has been established. His foundations have been set forth and his kingdom has been built. And because of that, justice and righteousness is present. And that justice and righteousness is the outcome of God's glorious presence in his creation. Now, verse 3. Part of God's rule is putting things in order, and that means judgment. And that's why it says, fire before him will go forth. And this is this judgment, oftentimes, especially in the last days, fire is seen as the element of God's judgment. And then we keep reading, it says, around his enemies. And then we have a word for will flame. So those flames of his fire is going to be around his enemies. It's all speaking of God consuming the enemy, destroying them with his judgment so that only that which is just and righteous, that which is submissive to his purposes and plans, only that will exist in his kingdom. Verse 4, we see something similar. We have the word heiru, which is a word for to illuminate. It simply comes from the word or, which is light. It's in the hifil, which means to cause light, to cause illumination. And when we look at this verse, we see that his lightning is going to illuminate, bring light into, and we have the word tevil, which is another word for all of his creation, the world in the broadest sense so his lightning is going to go forth and bring illumination into the world and then it says haaretz that's that same word for the world the world is going to see and this word that's next mentioned is that the world is going to and it can be a word of of pain or it can be a word of rejoicing now, someone said, well, what is it? Well, here's the beauty of it. For those who are opposed to God, it is going to be a word of pain. It's a word that is sometimes used for a woman giving birth, so intense suffering. But it's also a word that speaks of joy, rejoicing, in the sense of dancing in happiness. And this word also can relate to power. So those who are committed to the will of God, who are submissiveness, submissive to the purposes of God, they are going to receive power, 
They are going to be rejoicing. They're going to be dancing. So it's a word that speaks of two possibilities depending upon where one is in relationship to God. Look now to to verse 5. God's presence is coming and it causes a change. The mountains, and the mountains here are oftentimes in the scriptures seen as that which is strong, that which is enduring, that which uh, lasts forever. But these mountains, when God comes, it says, the mountains as wax, they have melted before the Lord. So that which is strong, that which has that enduring quality, when God comes, they are going to melt. Now, sometimes the word for mountain speaks of government. It's in the plural, harem, mountains. So all of these places of authority, all of this government, when God sets up his kingdom, all of they are going to melt away. And then at the end it says, Melifne Adon, from before, and we have a different word for Lord. This is the word Adon, which speaks of his, him being master this supreme ruler so before the lord all the earth all the earth is going to be brought before the lordship of messiah before god himself and being brought before his lordship simply means that which is good is going to be blessed that which is evil is going to be cursed what's good that which has a covenantal relationship with god and committed to that covenant those which reject the covenant those who are in in the midst of evil and evil deeds they're going to be consumed so god is a god of dichotomy he blesses or he curses he gives life or he gives death this is what the scripture is saying move on to verse six it says the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people and it's plural all the peoples are going to see they will see his glory now we see two things here we see how righteousness is related to glory we have this word sitko his righteousness parallel to kvodo his glory and this is a good example of why i say that righteousness doing righteousness is important why because it manifests the glory of god so we see that inherent relationship between righteousness and the glory of god when you seek righteousness you are going to be an instrument that manifests god's glory and that's what we have been created to do that's what we are called to do so this scripture is foundational now i mentioned that our god is a god of dichotomy why because we are living in a world that god created and he sets before us that which is good and that which is evil now that which is evil is simply a word which means in contrast to god's will so god puts before us an opportunity i am very very strong in my belief that god has given to humanity free will we see that in the garden of eden and unfortunately both the man and the woman adam Chava, they chose unwisely they chose based upon the desires that they had rather than doing what the instructions of god commanded them to do now there are some that teach well ever since 
the fall because we are are now born into this world with a sinful nature that uh we're unable there's no longer free will because we are in bondage to sin now let's unravel that a little bit and understand it properly yes indeed we are in bondage to sin but that doesn't mean that we cannot agree with god in fact before coming to salvation through the word of god and through the conscience we can agree that that god's word is true we can agree that his instructions are right we can agree that there is a righteous god the heavens declare that so we can by means of the conscience say what is right we through god's revelation we encounter his word and through the conscience we can understand to a certain degree but we're in bondage to sin what does that mean in the end we're not going to do righteously we have to become that new creation so it's through the gospel that we believe we we believe the gospel that faith causes us to be a new creation and that new creation will cause us to agree with god see we have to be careful don't believe the false teaching of reformed theology which says god he puts forth irresistible grace well where's that found in the bible irresistible grace nowhere there's god's grace it's a marvelous grace a powerful grace but i never have seen the term in the scripture irresistible grace this is a term that man committed that god kind of zaps sums with someone's with this irresistible grace they have to accept it at the time god says now they accept it and then they are regenerated and then through that regeneration they can accept the gospel this is false this is not what the scripture reveals god makes known of his grace through his word there's an anointing on that gospel and people can receive the gospel by faith through the conscience then they are saved they are justified freely and they are going to become that new creation and that new creation what will that do that will cause them to obey god perfectly no but one day yes in this body no but in the new body we will perfectly obey god so let me just put something to to a conclusion and that is this everyone now there's a teacher let me just name his name john piper he says this you are justified by faith alone i would agree totally with that statement but he says justification won't get you into heaven there's got to be good works that is totally false let me just say something very simple everyone who is justified by god's grace it's a free gift through faith everyone who is justified they will be in the kingdom of god they will be in heaven realize that justification always 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 leads one into heaven justified freely by by god's grace through faith we become that new creation and that new creation will manifest itself it will confirm that we have been saved by faith through the grace of god but good works do not play a role in us entering into heaven what plays a role god's grace his justification by our faith when we say yes to the instructions of god that gospel that's what i mean by instructions of god that we believe that he died upon the cross he was buried but on the third day rose again and why was he crucified 
because of my sin, because of your sin. When we accept his work on the cross, we are justified by that faith. And having been justified, we see in the scripture that we are ultimately going to be glorified. It's all what he's done. Our good work testifies to it, but our good works is not a a necessary thing to enter into heaven. What's necessary? The blood of Messiah, accepting it. Good works confirm, but they are not a, a cause of. This is the major difference. Let's go back. We just read, the heavens declare the righteousness, and of course, his righteousness, and all the peoples, they will see his glory. Those are those who have entered into a new covenant, a gospel-based covenant. Those who have not, look at verse 7. But all the servants of a, a graven image, a carved image, it's a word pestle, which is like a statue. So we're talking about an idol. So all the servants of an idol, what will they be? They will be ultimately ashamed, and that's that word. It's the word yevoshu, and it has to do with being ashamed. And those who take praise or praise themselves or boast among themselves in idols, they are also, the implication is, they're going to be ashamed as well. What should one do? Well, it says all gods, and this means idols in this context, all of them are going to bow before him, meaning this. God is going to show that he and he alone is God. There is no other. Just like, for example, I'm from Ashdod. That's where we live. And in Ashdod, many, many years ago, during the time of, of, for example, King Saul, there was a pagan temple in Ashdod for Dagon. And this is the fish god because the Philistines were were, uh, uh, ship traveling people so Dagon the fish god and what happens they brought the ark of the covenant into his his uh temple his sanctuary and what happened his hands were broken off and he fell prostrate before God just an example of what's going to happen all idols are going to bow before him verse 8 Sion this is the kingdom Sion is going to hear, and it means literally has heard in this context, and will rejoice. So hearing, the kingdom is going to hear about how God has brought all idols to to nothing. And Sion, the kingdom people, are going to hear and, and rejoice. Furthermore, it says, the daughters of Judah. This is an idiom for those who are part of God's covenant people. Daughters, as far as covenant, we see that daughters are oftentimes seen as the young women who will be married, who will enter into a covenant, and what are they going to do? Likewise, they're going to rejoice. So we see that be glad and rejoice are are synonymous with one another, parallel, as is Zion and the daughters of Judah. The daughters of Judah, those who had entered into that covenant relationship with God through the Messiah, are going to rejoice. On account of what? On account of your judgments, O Lord. So we see God's judgment is a source of gladness and joy. 
That's why it's so problematic when people want you to stay away from that theme. When you understand God's judgment, you're going to do what it says in Revelation 18, and that is you're going to rejoice with heaven for God's righteous judgment because there's a wonderful outcome of God's righteous judgment. That is the establishment of his kingdom and the will of God being manifested for his covenant people. Verse 9, for you, O Lord, are the most high, meaning the most high God. So you, O Lord, you are the most high God over all the earth. And it means all of creation. Furthermore, he says, Me'od, which means exceedingly. It's a word very, but in this context, it would be exceedingly. And most Bibles say you are exalted or you have been exalted means lifted up. So you have been lifted up exceedingly or very much over all Elohim, all gods, meaning all types of idols that God is going to be seen by everyone over in this superior position. Verse 10. The lovers of the Lord, Ohave Hashem, lovers of the Lord, what do they do? Hate evil. Now, God is a God of love. And because he loves such things as righteousness and truth and holiness, his will, anything that is unrighteous, anything that is not holy, anything that is against his will, he hates. So don't think that it means when it says God is love that he's only love scripture doesn't say that yes he is love but because of that love he also hates just like it says here the lovers of the lord they hate evil and then we have shomer it's in the present this is important it makes it emphatic and it says the the souls of his chasadim now this is a word for those chasid is rooted in the word chesed grace so his ones that have been recipients of his grace he keeps their souls that's what it's saying here and from the hand of the wicked ones he will deliver them who is them those who are recipients of god's grace as it says here chasidav his ones who have received grace and of course it's his grace he keeps the souls meaning he guards those who have received his grace and he from the hand of wicked ones he will deliver them verse 11 a great piece of scripture or zarua la sadikim ushare leib simcha which means light light is sown some will say for the righteous that could be a very legitimate or by the righteous either way is acceptable with this this prefix la now i said righteous ones it's literally righteous but it's understood even though it's in the singular all those who are righteous so light is sown i would say by the righteous and because of that it says those that are upright in heart and it is in the plural here the upright in heart they what they have gladness so when you are committed to righteousness when you are investing in righteous things and dedicating your life to that which is righteous it is inviting gladness to fill those who have that upright heart last verse verse 12. 
Simchu Sadakim Be'adonai, which means, Be glad, O righteous ones, in the Lord. In the Lord, in this context, means in His will. When those who are righteous, what does that mean? Members of that new covenant relationship. So those who are in that new covenant, who are are living in righteousness, what does it say? These righteous ones who have been reconciled, those who have been reconciled have been justified. And by the way, the word justified means being declared and made righteous. In the Greek language, the word righteous and just or justified is the same word. So look at it carefully. Verse 12. Be glad those who are righteous in the Lord, their righteousness is in him. Give thanks to the the mention, the memorial, the remembrance of his holiness. And again, we need to see that God's holiness is related to his purposes. So what this scripture is promising us is something uh, quite, quite marvelous because what he's saying here is this, that we, when we approach God properly, that is in righteousness, we're in that covenant, new covenant, that is going to be a source of gladness. And then it says, give thanks. We're glad he's made us glad. So give him thanks, which is a term of worship. Give thanks to the mention or the memorial memorial or the remembrance of his holiness which is related to his purposes and we can understand that as related to his will so psalm 97 a very simple psalm that exalts god because god is going to establish his throne and when his throne is established we are going to be recipients of this great joy, this great gladness, and we are going to be the recipients of the good things that belong to his kingdom that we have, have assurance of because we are in that new covenant relationship with him. Well, I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.